Hello, 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 hello. I don't know what date, but I just know it's Wednesday. It's, it's September 2nd. Amen. They, uh, this is WBOK 1230 AM. I am Dr. Adrian. I'm Dr. Maria. And we are NOLA Ed Education for Liberacion. I'm happy to be here. I am happy to be here, too. Oh, man, it's always, I don't know why I can't just ever just walk in the building. The code never works for me. That's Maria what? doesn't get my text. I got and it. And so I have to I stand re- outside. And then I have to call minutes. Maria. And I mean, it's always drama. But I gave you the code, and yet it didn't, I couldn't. Yeah, it didn't work for me. I just kept. Pushing. Oh, you didn't work for you either? Yeah, I just kept pushing buttons until it let me in. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. well, we're here. We're here. How you doing? I'm alive, man. You're alive. Um, okay. And you know what? I'm, that's about, that's about, like, that is my honest response is I'm alive. Hey, and that's, you know what? That's the important thing. I know, right? I mean, it's Did just, you know whales sometimes get so tired that they stop going to the surface of the ocean to breathe, and that's why some whales die? Are you serious? Yes. Maria is the keeper of all kind of facts that just you never knew you needed to know. I didn't know that I, I didn't know that. So they just die on the bottom of the, because they just tired. Yeah. Because they, like, they're too tired to like keep swimming to the surface. To Is breathe. it a certain kind of whale that does that? Or it's all the whales? Or um, I don't know that or much quillet. about would it. But I mean, I'm certainly willing to look it up for you. How did you learn that? Did Camilla tell you that? Camilla told me at first, and then she was sad. <laughs> and then uh, she said it was... Did you fact check this? Cause yes, I, like... I did, actually. And okay. what I learned is that even though it is sad, it's also good because the whales that die... First of all, some whales also explode. Fun fact. What? Um, if they're at the bottom of the ocean, but they had, like, taken a breath before they were like, I'm done with breathing. So that their <laughs> their whale bodies are filled with, like, air. So then when they, like, actually die, they, kind of, they like, pop, you know? Um, so that's a thing. That's a thing that can happen. And the other thing that makes it good, though, is that their bodies actually uh, become, like, deeply impact the ecosystem. Um, and in create a, a whole In a really great way. Yeah, because everybody they, eats... They're ready eats. They're ready right. nutrients from the surface world brought okay, all the way well, to the bottom bits. Okay. Well, that's a good thing then, I guess. It's still sad. So a lot of sadness. Um, Chadwick, Bo- Chad- Chadwick Boseman yep. died. Yep. And that is so sad. I'm still, like, I've been reading the little, um, not the little, I've been reading the memorials that folks have posted. Yeah. and. His uh, classmate, Logan Coles from Howard, they were um, producing team, posted just a beautiful tribute to his friend. And then um, Letitia Wright, did you see hers? It was just so beautiful. All of them were really touching. And, um, you know, that he, you know, he held, it was his business. So it's not like he had to tell people that he had, you know, it's it's his private business. He didn't have to tell. And so. And that's why I've been kind of getting angry at some people who have been saying, oh, it would have been good if he talked about it to, like, increase awareness of, like, colon cancer, especially for the black community, because like, it has a disproportionate impact on black men, apparently. Right. But, like, it's not... He did so many jobs that, like, weren't his job. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he did right. a lot of service... Like, the equivalent of service work for an actor. He did a lot of, like... You know, he just seemed like a really good and giving person. Yeah. And, like, being a warning... In a way, to other people, right. like, get your colon checked it was not his job. 
It, and, and he was struggling. I mean, that's his private life. He yeah. gets to have a private life. Yeah. Like nobody knew that he gotten that he had gotten married. Yeah. That's his private business. He gets to have that. And people must have loved the heck out of him that nobody sold it to tabloids. Mm-hmm. And even now, nobody is like doing the thing where you go to Star or Inquire or anything like that, where you're like, actually, it was blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I was so I was looking at um, somebody's post. I, I don't know who it was because I went on this rabbit hole. Yeah. It's how I grieve, right? Yeah. Um, so I um, saw that his makeup artist had posted um, and he had he had his own personal makeup, mm-hmm. hair and makeup person who went everywhere with him. Mm-hmm. And she had to have known and she kept it. She held it, right? Because mm-hmm. she had to do his hair. And you could tell when you go back and like I remember just remember seeing him over time and always thinking everyone always thought, I mean, that he was preparing for a role because, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of actor he was. So it had to be the changing of in his appearance was because he was preparing for a role. And um, she, at some point, he had to lose his hair. And so he was wearing wigs. Mm-hmm. And she held that, right? Like, I mean, she, you know, his appearance, the makeup mm-hmm. that she did, she held all of that. So you know kudos to his team i mean just even not even just the appearance aspect just the fact that like if he was on if he was having chemotherapy his immune system would have been compromised so like the sanitation she would have had to do with her brushes and like her equipment would have already been like ridiculous Mm -hmm. so you know like this just it's just a lot you know it is a lot and i'm gonna sound silly when i say this but i was sadder about him dying than i was about Aaliyah. And Aaliyah was like the saddest I had been about a celebrity. Oh, when she died in the when she died in the plane crash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it was really sad. And then John, if you're a basketball person, this is I play basketball. So um, John Thompson, Hmm. he died. That was really sad. And Cliff Robertson, yeah, who played Robinson, who played for the um, who played for the Trailblazers. I'm a big Trailblazers fan. He died. So it was like, you know. Come on, man. Now, Give I know my, my sister's probably watching. I do want to defend myself and say that I was also really sad when Prince died. But yes, I it mean, was sad when Prince right, died. Right, but I mean more like someone who was at the start of their career. So, like, with Aaliyah, like, at the, at that moment, I really identified with the fact that she was, like, early 20s and, like, had just broken in and, like, you know, and then everything was gone. And with Chadwick Boseman, like, I'm kind of like, okay, so what you're saying is this, that you, like really entered the mature phase of your career like you were about to like on the yeah. precipice of doing some great 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 stuff and had already done and had already done right some but like it's stuff. the next stage stuff where you're like not yeah. just like acting but you're like producing and writing and yeah. doing all this other stuff yeah um and having people with real money take you seriously and real money take you seriously and let you be independent and now you know yeah so i watched he did this film called um a message from the king yeah it's on netflix did you see it i haven't watched it yet but I, it's really good i think it came out in 2017 yeah and that was a, a project so it was a netflix original mm-hmm. and i think he and actually i know because his in the piece that his partner wrote um that was there that was one of their projects mm. and it was a really good film and in keeping with kind of his commitment to you did see it you I said you saw, oh so you should see it it's really good no i want to see um, it i want to see it it's um there's so many layers it's very rich and so i won't give you the spoiler at the end but it's a really good film and he um he plays a south african um he plays a south african man who comes to the u.s to Mm -hmm. look for his sister and so he keeps that i mean he's just amazing he was really amazing as an actor it was a really good film and i liked 
And he was he actively gave, in the midst of his, um, so this came out in 2017. Yeah, he was in the middle of his treatment. Mm-hmm. Like, the interviews that you, like, are, that people are bringing up from that time period, like, are just so bittersweet now because, like, he was in the middle of being, like, super sick and you're asking him, like, who are you wearing on the red, on the red carpet tonight, you know? Or, like... What next? What's your favorite ice cream? Or I mean, and, and you know, like, like when can you even have had ice cream? You've been in chemotherapy, right? Right. And this is the biggest fight of your life, and it's just like the mundanity of some things are. Yeah. You just realize. But he must have wanted that though, because otherwise he would have told. Because well, well, yeah, or just who knows? I mean, that's how we cope, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I was. Some of the takes people were saying he um, that I read on Twitter by people, I mean the people on Twitter, that he, how hard it was for him to have to hide it. And I don't think it was hard. I think there was a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, um, health insurance, right? Yep. So, you know, it was so sad that he had to keep working, he had to hide it, but he had to work. Yeah, I I love that one of that take that was like, that this is a reproductive and health justice issue because, like, he had to keep working because he needed health insurance for his cancer. Yes. You know? Yep. So, um, yeah. It, because with the SAG Afro, you know, if you we we see actors and we think they're so wealthy, except they are, mm-hmm. but often many of them are independent contractors. Yeah. So they, unless you're in a you know a collective, uh, a big collective, you know, health insurance you have to pay out of pocket. So in SAG Afro, they have a great plan that is based upon the number of money you've. How, what your earnings are mm. from from working, um, you know, doing films, not like working in a restaurant, but it's actually what you've earned in films or the number of days that you've worked as an actor. Mm. So I, I don't know what it was. I just know the recent what I saw recently. It was twenty five thousand dollars you had to have earned as an actor in a film. So you could be, you know, you could be a featured extra. Yeah. You just had to have earned, you know, blah, blah, blah. Be el- be SAG eligible um, and have earned that through a, f- a film that was, you know, in a SAG, uh, SAG film. And then, which is, a di- you know, there are different. So yeah, yeah, indie, that's a union indie, thing. Yeah, so if it was an indie film that and they didn't count. pay, it doesn't count. So a SAG film and or, or you worked 100 days. So... You know, it doesn't have to be 100 consecutive days. You just have, over a calendar year, you had to have worked as an actor for 100 days. Do you have to redo the 100 days every calendar year? That's what I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine so. Yeah, I would guess so. So you think about as an actor, I mean, people are grinding. So, and when you think about black actors, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, say what you will about about Samuel. And I don't know if, and and they do build credits. So you do do get credits because I know... um, someone who's an actress Mm -hmm. an actor and she um was similarly very ill and had the sag um afra um insurance and i will say a black um director here took very good care not here but they were filming a a film and Mm -hmm. and um the director knew that she was ill and gave her days because he knew that she needed that and it was a I don't remember the act, the director's name, but it was um, impressive, mm-hmm. and it made me feel. And uh, I think also Ava DuVernay actually took care of this person as well. But mm-hmm. but I don't. I could be giving misinformation, but I do believe it was Ava DuVernay. But they were very thoughtful, mm-hmm. and made sure that this um, actor had um, days so that they would be eligible for the insurance. 
I mean, just the, you know, that you have to think about stuff like that, right? And so you think about the equity issues for black actors and black women actors who may not get parts, or you just think about the kinds of parts they have to take. And if they're the kinds of parts that you qualify for a whole day of work. Like if if I'm just brought on to just like, be like a sassy black prostitute or whatever like that's not that's not going to have me in the film long enough to build up towards my days that might be you might only really be hiring me for like two three hours mm-hmm. well they usually are yeah, yeah well you know what i mean right yeah um but yeah so i mean there's a lot so that's to say that that may have also been the issue right yeah because if people know that you're ill will you get days on a film and um, and then you have a catastrophic illness. Yeah. So even if you are wealthy, you know, paying for insurance that will cover treatment for a catastrophic illness. And make sure that your family or that the other people or that the other projects that you clearly care about are going to be taken care of after your death as well. Like you don't get to stop working. No. So this is, you know, again, why universal health care is so important. Single payer, universal health care. I mean, these are the, you know, these are these these kinds of deaths remind us remind me at least why um, we need to be thinking about and agitating for um, universal health care mm. you know that it would help everyone right so even if you are again if you're if you are wealthy still you know we are thinking about um, the cost of and the prohibitive cost of health care sometimes but it doesn't have to be prohibitive it doesn't is, which is the thing that trips me out about it like you know, um, it doesn't have to be prohibitive. It doesn't have to be something where you need to work literally until you die. It doesn't need to be a thing where your loved ones need to struggle to both pay your hospital bills and also pay your um, funeral costs. Right. Like, uh, one thing I was reading after that, um, the fire in London that took down that apartment building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, someone made the point that, like, the, the key thing to remember as a difference between, like, the U.K. and um, America in mm. terms of, like, those types of tragedies is that in the U.S., if that had happened, not only would you have also lo- have lost all your stuff, all your possessions, but your child might also be accruing a hospital bill while they struggle to survive. That's crazy. You know, and, like, when they, if they die... Like, at, while you're in the middle of, like, mourning your child or mourning your loved one, like, you'll also be given a hospital bill. Wow. That's inhumane. In a very wealthy country, right? People are we are a wealthy country still? We are, yes. We still are. We still are. I mean, wealthy. I know we are, but, like, it just, it's shocking to me that more people aren't outraged at the amount of wealth that is concentrated in a very, very small tip of a pyramid. Yeah. You know what's interesting? So, in the same vein, mm-hmm. um, the CDC, how does the Center for Disease Control issued a moratorium on evictions? Isn't it a recommendation? It's, I just read it. I've seen this has come through a number of, they've uh, issued a residential eviction moratorium through December 20, December. 31st. The CDC, as far as I know, doesn't have any power to enforce. Um, under this order, they have an order. Under this order, a landlord shall not evict any covered person from a residential property. Well, beautiful. Yeah. We're getting a little bit radical up in here. All I right. mean, I, yeah, but there they go. So, um, so I want to come. So we're 
we had a hurricane last week, which is why we weren't here. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually hit New Orleans, but it did hit Lake Charles really badly. Yeah. Um, and we have people here. Um, so there's that. And we also have in the mid, we're also in the midst of COVID. So it made that when you said the, the wealthy country thing, we have hurricanes and we have COVID-19 and people need a social safety net. I mean, it's like what, what more needs to happen to highlight the fact that we need to have a more robust and expansive social safety net because there are things that people cannot plan for that in many ways are equalizers, right? You can't money your way out of necessarily a hurricane. And we're showing, I mean, we're seeing that you can't money your way, you can't wealthy your way out of necessarily a pandemic. See, I think that there's some people who still very much sincerely believe that you can. So I think they believe that, except yeah. that, I mean, we're, I think. And I think know, the other thing is, is that like, unfortunately for the coronavirus, if you don't have to, like, I'm thinking of all the times when people are like, oh, I don't want to wear a mask. Can't there just be like separate shopping hours for people like me who don't want to wear a mask and <laughs> no one else will be in the store? And you're like, no, but the people who work in the store are actually human. Right. You know, so like they'll be in the store, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that there are some people who sincerely believe that like their money insulates them from uh, particular social ills. And I'm also thinking about how like there's some really good scholarship on the development of the National Health Services in the U- in England and how they one of the reasons why they were able to to be like enshrined into law is because um, the waves of immigration that mm-hmm. brought in more black and brown people to London in particular, but to um, more conservative, like the West Midlands, I guess, of England, like those wouldn't hit until after the NHS was already kind of established. Mm. Um, and so at first, the rhetoric about establishing the National Health Services was all about like, um, not celebrating, but like making sure that the people who died in like the greatest generation, you know, like the people who like defended England from the Nazis didn't have to, um, you know, deal with their war injuries alone. And so there was this, like, unification of patriotism. There was, like, the implication that the people who would be most directly helped were white Mm. um, and British and, Mm. like, a particular kind of British. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's really interesting because um, I think that I think that the stereotype of the welfare queen, like, impacts the development of those type of social services even now. Like, I think it's just casting a really long shadow. Yeah. I don't know. So this was a really long arc of a setup for us to get to. Next week, you all will be going back to school. Girl, I'm already at school. You're at school. The kids haven't come, huh? Yes, they have. Why do you think I'm so tired? But I thought... Why do you think I haven't been answering your text messages during the day? I can't answer. Well, Maria, I mean, I don't, you know. Wow. Super rude, y'all. But I thought, what is the Labor Day distinction? The nothing? Labor Day distinction is banana pants nothingness. Well, I thought uh, Jefferson Parish was like, we might strike if you guys do blah, blah, blah. That was all just talk. Y'all ain't yeah. doing nothing? No, we're not. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. 
Hmm. Okay, well, so, so I've had kids. So you know, do you want to talk about hybrid learning and just and like? Are that? you doing hybrid? Yes, I have students in the classroom. That's crazy. How many do you have every um, day, every period? Every period, I would say like. Uh, um, an average of 10 but some periods it's like more some periods it's like now what grade do you teach I teach three period I teach seventh grade and eleventh grade so maybe this is just the Orleans Parish thing yeah. That they're starting after Labor Day. Nah, man. Jefferson Parish. No, like, I mean, kids may come back after Labor Day is what I meant to say. The schools have already started. No, nah, the schools have started. No, I'm saying Orleans oh, you mean Parish. Like, oh, Orleans Parish. I thought you were asking about me. No, what I'm, I'm trying to make a comment, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm that... Uh, Orleans Parish, the kids are supposed to come back after Labor Day. I hope not. Camilla's... Come back into the building. Yeah, I know. I think school is not. already starting. But they're supposed to come back. But that's why I thought that y'all... I thought stuff had been pushed back. I don't nah, know. we did push it back until Monday. Then we came back. Kev- Kevin said, not his kids. I'm not going to say what he said on the, twi- on the Instagram because I can't. I don't want to get an FCC violation. Bye-bye. But, um... But no. So, so here, um, there have been 114 cases. On Sunday, it was like... 114 cases that are from Orleans Parish. Keep yes. in mind, Jefferson Parish, we still haven't... Where are our numbers? Where are they? I don't know. That's you why... You guys I'm, don't have a parish... We don't have dashboard? an alert cool thing like you guys parish have. presidents. Maybe it's there and I don't know about it, but yeah, like... you might look it up. I I've tried. Know. I've Googled... And I'm really good at Googling. You are I have, good a, at I have a doctorate. Yes. And I haven't found it. So if you're listening and you have the thing that will text you. The dashboard. Or the right, dashboard. Access to the dashboard. Yeah. Text me it or email me it or put it on our Facebook. Because I just really want to know, like, what our rates of infection are. Yeah. So at the University of Illinois, and I can say this, this is public. It's not secret information. I was actually on a, a media call today, media Zoom. And they said this, and then the Chicago Tribune published a, a story. So school started for us officially on last Monday, on the 24th. Since then, since school officially started, all those students came in that, that weekend. Um, so if school started on Monday, the students officially probably came in like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We have had 780 cases that you guys have found or have about 780 new cases have been identified since classes began in on august and i heard this for myself because the reporter wanted to be sure that they weren't confused by the numbers that are because we have a dashboard and the the reporter wanted to be sure that they were going to accurately report this information and they said yes that's actually yes it has been 780 cases since classes started so my department, we are um, we have decided to work remotely. Um, so that's not really an issue for us. Although you know I do, uh, I am concerned. You know that there are obviously my colleagues who have you know returned to campus, um, and there's an alert system. And what one of the things that they said today is that these are asymptomatic. So because we have created our own test, our own saliva test. Um, students have to, and not students, well, everyone who's on campus gets tested twice a week. And it's a rapid result test that the University of Illinois designed, created themselves. And um, you get 
test results within six to 12 hours, I think. And, um, you know, so these are folks who don't know. But what's been happening, according to the university, now people have pushed back on this, um, and they've asked for the evidence and the data to show this, but that um, that um, students who have tested positive, some of, so students who have tested positive also have also hosted parties. So they know that they knew that they had tested positive because the information was, it's on it, we have an app. And then students were going into buildings even though they had tested positive and they knew because of the app. So you had to use your card to get into buildings because that's what the university has done is that you have to be tested twice a week. And your movements on campus. And your movement, yes. And so people, students, once they have gotten tested, have not isolated. Some have gotten tested and just did not respond to the contact tracing um, communications. And have still, so it's not like they didn't know, they just didn't reply. They didn't answer phone calls, they didn't answer letters, and they still moved about campus instead of isolating. So, um, are they student workers? Are they? Um, that we, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but now we are in a situation where people, they're gonna make folks lock down for 14 days. So, you um, can go shopping. You can go to the grocery store. I got you it. Go. Um, you'll go and um, you can only do essential essential things. And one one thing that's essential is you can be outdoors by yourself. Nice. <laughs> yes. So um, for for students' mental health. But if the trend continues, so so we this is why they had the the press conference today, if that trend continued, if, if the university didn't intervene, intervene today, we would have had 75 to 100 new cases each day and as many as 8,000 positive cases over the course of the semester. So they're trying to put the kibosh and shut it down now and then reevaluate in 14 days. Although, I, you know, it'll stop an outbreak, but it doesn't. What, you know, what happens after 14 days? 14 days, people just go back to licking doorknobs. I mean, yeah. And so one person asked, you know, these are, you know, um, you know, young people are, believe they're invincible. um, And, uh, you know, is this, that, how is that behavior going to change? And so the hope is that we'll do some sort of really, substantial intervention in public information in I mean the messaging about the illness which I just I mean I don't know like we've been you know this happened in March so there's a lot of information I don't know what will change magically in 14 days to make students think and behave differently um and and some of the media uh folks ask and I think this was a fair question um you know, should the university have not opened? Um, so it, rather than, you know, blame students. Right. Um, I mean, and certainly students that bear some responsibility. They don't have to do these things, right? They don't have to host parties when they know that they're positive, like that they don't have to do that. But given just the kind of um, ways that people make decisions. And how old they are. Yeah. Should the university have reopened? And they believe that, you know, from what, they said that 
you know, students really wanted to come back to campus and they wanted to, you know, be available for students, you know, address students' requests and desires and I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that they're young. And I don't mean that like just an age. I just mean that like you can't trust them to always make the decision or have the want that's best for them. Exactly. You know, and even like kids in the classroom, like over the last two days, they are so excited to be there. I mean, they're also a little bit scared, too, but like they're respecting social distance. But it's like one of those things where like. I have to remind them because, and I like re, I moved some of my desks around today because, like, over the course of the last two days, just two days, um, the desks have done the thing where they've slowly kept closer and closer together because they're very far apart now, so that we can have social distancing. And do you have do you have barriers or it's just you with the mask? It's just me with the mask. Wow. Yeah, I know. Don't get too close. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, um, but seriously, don't get too close. I'm not. No. <laughs> Um, so um, less jokingly, there are kids in the parish who have not come back to school whose parents are already like, my kid is tested positive, but you'll see them back in like two weeks or so. So, what? yeah, like, you know, and you don't know whether it's politics or it's a need or what, because like it's I can see how it would be difficult to have your kid home all the time if you were working from home and you do need to go back to work like we don't have an economy that separates housing and health care from labor yeah this like if this moment doesn't radicalize some people like i will be very surprised well what would radicalize people though i mean like so for instance did you have a why did you choose to go back to school i chose to go back to school because once I felt like the momentum behind the teachers um, staying home and the teacher strike had started to fade a little bit, um, I didn't see my staying home as like having a big impact. Like it started to feel like a very personal benefiting Maria choice. And Maria also needs health insurance, you know? And I, I understand that that's like part of what undermines workers' movements, you know, is the fact that like, there's a we want to organize collectively but because of how health insurance and housing are organized like we also have to make very individual decisions for ourselves and um you know i i started to realize that there are some people who are you know talking a lot of talk about you know this is what we're going to do and we're going to strike and this and the other who you know we're we're probably not going to do it Mm. So did you feel any agency in terms of organizing other people? Like, did you feel like you knew other teachers well enough to aid in the the organizing piece? I did at first, but then some of the teachers who had been involved in organizing other teachers were reprimanded by their administration. Um, And, you know, I think that kind of realizing that Because, like, the administration would also be safer if we weren't in buildings. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that there was, like, a moment over the summer where everyone was like, oh, we're, like, the teachers are the face of this discussion, but, like, principals, um, you know, staff, like, nobody is going to be safe. Um, And you guys are, you guys get that, right? But then um, once it got closer and closer and closer to the start date, like, some admin, um, or rather, some teachers started to feel like their administration was going to penalize them in some way. They felt that, or, or they were penalized in some way. Like they did have some 
face-to-face conversations with admin that were not positive. Hmm. So they just were mad at him, and they didn't want anybody well, to be mad at him. I don't know, and hmm. that's the thing is that um, I am at a point where I'm starting to realize that like someone can be mad at you, but if there's not a paper trail, there's like. What does being mad at mean? Mad at means like they pulled you into their office, they yelled at you, they said that we're monitoring like your communications or this, that, and the other. We've had reports that you are inflicting your political beliefs on other teachers. Um, you know, stuff like that. And what does that do? Do you get a whooping? Like, I'm just No, I understand like, what you're asking. Right. Like, I do understand <laughs> what you're asking. And what I'm saying is, is that like the thing I think that is like such a mind mess around with it is that there's not a paper trail, you know? So I think that it's one of those things where where you feel like you've been threatened but like what concretely can that person do to you you know um but still like i think the threat is enough where you know people didn't want to walk out and they didn't want to do a sick out either which i was surprised about um Mm -hmm. because there had been talk about what would it be like if um every teacher just used one of their sick days on the same day yeah and And nobody wanted to do it nobody as far as i could tell nobody wanted to do it well, and then y'all, now y'all are back in school, so there you go. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what happens is that, like, everybody gets cold feet. People like me are like, oh, if you guys aren't going to jump, I'm not going to jump. And then nobody jumps. Hmm. Well, you know, I hope it works out for y'all. Uh, well, you I really what? do. Do you want I mean, a hug? I don't want a hug because you're around people who could potentially be carriers. Yeah, they're carriers. Um, so Lauren gave some, she said that, Lauren, I don't understand this. Orleans Parish will be starting back the weeks of September 24th and 25th in person for elementary if parents choose to. So that's what Lauren said. Yeah, so parents parents are opting in to having their parents. But I don't know what the 14th slash 25th means. Maybe that was supposed to be the original start day. The 14th, or it might be pushed back to the 25th. Yeah. So, so, anyways, so what is it like doing hybrid? Um, the first day was really hard. Today was also really hard. I'm anticipating tomorrow being really hard. What is hard about it? The fact that, like, you aren't doing any one job well. <laughs> no, I don't mean, I, like, just straight up, like, like, I could do a virtual class, and I could be good at doing a virtual class. Like, that could be a thing that I do. Or I could be good at teaching an in-person class. But, like, if I'm circulating around the room to, like, talk with the kids or, like, check their work or whatever, I can't be looking at the chat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what that's am I hard doing? To do. that's- and on top of it, like, with the kids in the chat, sometimes they'll have questions and it'll be moving so fast that, like, I never even see their questions. So it's not that I don't yeah. answer it. It's that I literally you, don't Because you have it. real people in front of you. If you, if you want to call in and chat with us, call 504-582-9422. We're also trying to make sure that we um, follow your comments on Facebook mm-hmm. Live, on Instagram Live. But you can call us. I am on Twitter, allegedly. Um, allegedly? That should be your new Twitter name. <laughs> I am on, exactly, but um, but we want to you know for other teachers or uh, folk who are interested, what does this thing look like uh, in a hybrid context? So there are some schools in Orleans Parish that are doing that as yeah. well. But so you have the chat because it's Zoom. No, it's not. What is it? Google Meets, which is another oh, really. Do you del- like that? No, I hate everything mm-hmm. about it. Right. Um, and I'm 
I paid everything about it. That was my truth. I'm not backing down from it. Um, Google Meets, the students have a lot more power in the virtual classroom. So they can, so I can mute you, but you can unmute yourself. And that, so like, I can be like, oh, Ms. Dixon, you've taken up far too much of our class time with your foolishness. I'm muting you. And then you can be like, bruh, no, you're not. <laughs> and then you get unmute, then you just unmute yourself and we can go back and forth with that. And I don't know if the students realize it. I'm, I'm 75% sure because another teacher said this and I hope it's not true. But then like the part of me that's like this 2020 has been the worst reality of all realities. She said that a student muted her. <laughs> Wait, who said that? Another teacher. Oh, another wow. teacher was like, these te- these the students, students don't geez. know. Like, not all of the students know, but apparently they have the power to mute us. So I'm 75% that, tr- like, that's not true. Why would someone do that to me? I'm a good person. You know, like, I don't want that to be a true possibility of the technology. Who picked Google Meets? A stupid head. That's who picked it. I don't know who picked it, but all the teachers did all the trainings over the summer for Zoom. I got so good at doing Zoom. I know how to put in breakout rooms. I know how to switch to the whiteboard. I know how to share my screen. I know how to give you permission to share your screen, but not all the time because you're a kid. And I also know how to keep strangers from going into the Zoom. And then, like... You do the waiting room. Do the waiting room and also change the login. You know, so it's not random numbers because then they could just use a random number generator to try and get into your room. They're bad. Then we decide to use Google Meets. All you need is a URL. What am I supposed to do with the kids share the URL with the strangers? That makes no sense to me. No, it's a, such a safety issue. And Google is not always stable. It's really no, it's funky. not. It's yeah. a safety issue and it's an equity issue. Oh wow, that's crazy. Ask me about captions. What's captions? Captions is what they try and do so that you can have an equity, like you can make it accessible to students who are hard of hearing. Adrian, where do we live? Right. We live in the South. Right. Do you (laughs) think Google Meets has a lot of practice practice with a Southern accent? It automatically automatically generates the captions. So what does that look like? It looks like the worst. It looks like no one, like, like somebody who did not realize that Louisiana, there's like seven different accents in Louisiana, first of all. And no lie, y'all have a lot of names that don't sound like how they're spelt. What the heck is Chapatulas? <laughs> like, just what is going on with that? So can you imagine having a crew of seventh graders with captions on and also with them gradually realizing we have way more power in this than we should. The only reason that, like, no, oh I swear God. to God, the only reason no one has muted me is because I think they're aware that they have the power to do it. But, like, who's going to be the naughtiest? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, that's like a line that one. Because they're not, they're not 10th graders. They're not 11th graders. You have, I thought you had the... the uh, I have gifted one, kids. I have gifted for one period, and then well, they're all gifted. I mean, not the gifted kids, right? Like they're, they're they're the sweetest kids. They're mm-hmm. they're like the smartest. This happens to be the sweet kids. Yeah, this not be, all. I was a gifted kid, and I certainly wasn't. There's some snot monsters, but they're in the eleventh grade. Oh, okay, I yeah. was I was consistently me. And I I've th- grown up to be me. Good for you. Yes. No, I think right now um, I did. Uh, you know, like how you can see kids who are just like, you know what? You're a deer in the headlights. And today I'm going to swerve out of the way. That is how I feel with some of my kids. Like one of them has already been like, oh, look, 
you are only five minutes late in setting up the Google Meets today. Good job. <laughs> or, oh, look, our attendance form is up. Nice. Good job. <laughs> so I've already had a couple of those. That's and um, I've just been like, you know what? You're right. I was five minutes late figuring out how to set up the Google Meets. That was an accurate statement, sir. So wait, now, um, this is seventh grade. Seventh, I have seventh, 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 and then 11th. That's a huge shift. Yes. How many 11th graders are coming to school? Um, the way that the school district organized it is by sibling amount. So, like, um, Mondays and Wednesdays are days where in Jefferson Paris, if you have a sibling at another school, um, that's both of your school days, so you're both out of the house at the same time. That's um, good. So, my Monday, Wednesdays for the 7th grade are pretty big. Like, and what's big? Big is <clears throat> I have... Big is about 18 kids. In one class? Well, yeah. And you're supposed to socially distance with them? Um, what I did is um, they zigzag seats. So it's they're six feet apart on the hypotenuse of the triangle. <laughs> you, I wish you taught math, but go ahead. I know, right? I would be so bad at that. But uh, they're six feet apart on the hypotenuse of the triangle. And um, they're... They're far enough apart where, like, as long as none of the desks move, we're good. Did you have to figure that out yourself, or did someone help you? No. No, no one helped Maria. Really? She was alone in her struggle. Your 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 school district didn't say, this is how you should design your classroom um, to meet the six feet apart. No, what I actually did was another teacher showed me a set of Excel sheets where if you plug in your room dimensions, um, it'll spit out, like locations that you could put the desks um the thing is though is that number one it doesn't there's not a way for it to for you to say oh my desks are this size so like where do i put the desk when it's this size versus this size and on top of that because the cdc guidelines also mention that like your butts shouldn't be in the same so like if i got up and like left the room we would should wait ideally an hour and a half before someone else sits in this chair like they should use that chair. Um, so there's not really a way to figure that out because, like, you still have to have, like, these empty desks. So um, it was still helpful, though. And I know that some other teachers did it by hand with, like, a meter stick and um, tape on the floor. Um, I really didn't want to do that because I was really nervous that my math would be wrong. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that there was, like, a document I could point to that was, like, oh, these are the coordinates that, you know, came out. The other thing I liked about that one was that it also calculated for wiggle room, um, which is like, you know, when I was saying like, oh, I had to push the desk back into the right spot. Um, it allowed for like a half foot of wiggle room for like desks and students in it, which I liked. So, um, and who's sanitizing your room in between? Even between classes? You are full of lies. You um, sanitize? You are the, you are the hazmat um, I mean, and remember, like, person. I'm a disgusting infectious person. Dis- like, I'm infectious disease. Like, there person. is a sink full of dirty dishes in my actual house, and I'm saying this on air, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm a very busy woman, you know? Um, so, I do. Sp- I mean, I will say this as somebody who is dedicated to teaching and cares about kids. If it were my child or one of my nieces, I would not send them, or my nephew, I would not send them to school right now. Yeah. Because I do sanitize between classes, but 
I know I'm not a professional cleaner. And I know that if my standard of cleanliness was like, or like the regular, like loosey goosey standard of cleanliness that most people use in their day to day life, if that was adequate protection for a pandemic, we would not be having a pandemic. So um, I was watching a. Um, <clears throat> when did you guys start school? We started school with kids on Monday. On Monday, this Monday. Yeah. Okay. So I was watching a. I was actually not watching. I was mm-hmm. on a panel um, about should schools reopen, mm-hmm. and there was an infectious disease doctor. His name is Mark Elaine Devery. He actually owns um, another radio station in town, um, and he said that the cleaning, the sterilizing, the cleaning actually is is theater. He yeah, believe in it. I would agree with but that. But it's the droplets, and so yeah, it's the, the droplets that shellacs in the air. So the masks. And the social distance is actually, the, are those two things actually matter more than the cleaning. So the fomites, yes, blah, 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 but, but, um, but it's the, it, and, and because of that, because we're not, as a country, willing to invest what it'll cost, as a school district, what, what it would cost to safely um, create, to create barriers um, for the droplets, we just shouldn't be in school. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think my my niece isn't in school. Yeah, and she's going to stay out um, as long as far as I know. I mean, I don't. I'm as an aunt. I don't have as much control over as as her education as like her mom or her dad do, obviously. But um, you know, I've been really clear that I don't feel like it's appropriate for her to go back to school at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what I'm. That's what yeah. I was saying, Orleans. So in Orleans, the little kids will go back to school first, and the bigger kids are not supposed to go back until in October. But you all, everybody, just went back to school in Jefferson Parish. I think so. Um, I mean, I'll admit I mostly pay attention to like six and up because that's like my yeah. school. So in Orleans, none of the the six and up are not in build buildings yet. Okay. No, we're in buildings. That's um, insanity. The kids, I will say, like the uh, hmm. The first day, there were some like mask flipper uppers, you know, and you know, I said like, keep your mask on, please, thank you, and they were pretty good about that. I will say that like today. They, there were more kids wearing gaiters than I liked. Ew. They um, know that those aren't safe, right? They're allowed as part of the school district guidelines. So. But somebody needs to tell them that those gator things are not. They just came out with the. No, the I understand. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But, you know, I think that. They actually are worse. No. Here we end yet. I mean. No, I know. Like, I, I'm like, yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, hmm. So that's the choice you're making today or that your adult who loves you is making for you because I'm sure you didn't sound like they didn't know. I mean, they don't know. Yeah. But that just came out with from the, the CDC. Yeah. I mean, you see that worse. I'm over here with my Crayola crayon. Um, is it cotton? Out. It's actually um, cotton layer, cotton oh, layer, then a good brightly yeah, colored one. That's the thing. Um, so it's nylon is not good. Mm-hmm. And um, the very thin material is in the gators. Um, it has to be cut. Nah, just for my own, and I know it's not going to help, but, like, it'll make me feel better. Um, I'm getting a HIPAA filter with a UV light for my room. Yeah. Well, you know, the HIPAA filter won't do anything, but the UV, but the UV light, light will. May. Yeah. It won't kill the droplets, but. Uh, it'll make me feel better. Yeah. You could spray. What about Lysol? I, Lysol? I mean, I do spray, but it's not going to 
I mean, like, there's no way for me to, like, hit every corner of the room. And, like, there's kids going in and out. And, right, like, right, right, right. So, um. You have your windows open? No, they're sealed. I live in, I, this is a public school system. When I, I've never been able to open the windows in a classroom. Oh, my, I, first of all, I taught in a building that was really old. I was on the third floor and my windows opened, which was terrifying to me. That is scary. <laughs> yes, with sixth graders nah, who could open the windows. My old classroom in my West Jeff, like we could, there was one window that opened and it was so clearly like, this is the window for the fire code. You know what I mean? Like, but all the other windows couldn't open. Because unless they retrofitted the building with, you know, negative exhaust, I mean, you no, know. No, the The HVAC stopped, like turned off at one point during teacher PD. That's the principal awesome. did announce this is what's happening, and I guess it had to do with, like, a repair thing. But, like, the fact that, like, you could tell – if she hadn't said anything, you would be able to tell just by, like, how quickly the temperature changed, you know, that, like, the air is very piped. So, wow. I mean, you know, I hope I hope folks will – after this week will, like, be ready to take it to the streets. I mean, I think the thing is, is that parents are necessarily on our side. Um, I think that for a lot of parents, they want to go back to work themselves or they need to go back and they can't do that. And they want to be able to do that without having to be afraid that their child's in an unsafe place. So they don't want to leave them at home by themselves. So you guys are paid babysitters. That's what you are. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're, you know, so people could somebody to take care of your kids while they go to work is babysitting. Yep. So, and you know, so um, Mari, uh, Andrew Cuomo, um, probably in May, April, May, he was doing a, um, giving his daily press conference. And um, this was when the folks were, um, you know, um, this before the monies were coming out, before mm-hmm. the unemployment money was coming out. And they were trying to work on it. And so one of the, it was like a conservative reporter said, well, what do you say to people? You know, they want to go back to work and they have bills to pay. And, you know, people are really suffering and you're telling people to stay home. And, um, you know, what do you say to them? I mean, how do you, you know, what do you, what do you say to people? You're, you know, you're, you're the governor. What are you, what are you doing for people? And he said, well, you know, I would say this, there's nothing worse than death. And she was like, but they have to go to work. He said, we understand that. And we're doing everything we can to make sure that these monies come out and that everybody gets something to, to, to help take care of what they need. You know, we're trying, we're trying to do what we can to make sure that, but there's nothing worse than death. So yes, you won't pay your mortgage. That may be late. You know, we're, um, there may, you may be late on credit cards, but the alternative is that you'll die. So there's nothing worse than death. And that's what I think about. It's like, you know, you hear all the reasons why people think we should, quote unquote, return to normal, right? We should be teaching in school. You know, I mean, I have colleagues who want to be back on campus and teaching their classes. And for me, it's again, there's nothing worse than death. I think that for some of, I think that for some of our, I think that the other thing is is that for those teachers who chose to come back, like I don't think that they realized how hard part of it was going to be. Like I haven't felt 
this close to tears, like at the end of a school day, since, and you know this since I was working in Ohio, yeah. you know, and it's, the kids are fine, yeah. you know, like they're, it's they're a actually, lot. It's like heavy. they're just little, they're just yeah. so, which is difficult for me because like, this is my first time teaching middle school, so they're little, um, and I keep being surprised that they're little, but it's generally nice, like they're so patient and they're so just, I'm happy to be here and I'm yeah. tiny, you know, it's great, <laughs> um, but what's hard is that like, I feel like I'm constantly doing either the kids that are in person a disservice or the kids that are hybrid a disservice because I can't give either one of them like my full attention at any well, moment. Well, and you were given an impossible choice, right? Yeah. So, one, you personally were given an impossible choice because your health and your life shouldn't you shouldn't have to choose but you shouldn't have to choose that over or choose something else over your your health or your life. Right. And um we gave parents a quote unquote, you know, they have their choice to keep their kid home or blah, blah, blah. But it's you still at the center having to manage all of this. And it's as if we aren't a part of a collective, right? Mm -hmm. It's that my kid is going to, I'm going to do this. And we are all a part of a community. So for kids who stayed home, that's wonderful for them that they stayed home. But there are kids who are at school and those, those kids who are at school are potentially creating their own vectors and they are you go home to people every day. Mm-hmm. And my people matter, too. Like, yes, I think that that's exactly. the thing that's, like, especially that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's an impossible like, set of choices yeah. that that folks are put in, um, and it doesn't have to be that way. And, again, I would just, you know, remind with what Cuomo said. What's There's nothing worse than death. The only thing, and this is, like, what I worry about with some of the kids, because they're more likely, especially the seventh graders. Oh, it's time. Um, well, they're more likely to be asymptomatic than mm-hmm. some of the older kids. The thing that I think that would be worse than death is having to carry the guilt with you for the rest of your life that you're who got your grandma sick. Yeah, but she would be dead. So you, your guilt and her death aren't equal, right? No, <laughs> like no, no, no they're not equal. But like, I just think that like as a survivor, yeah. like that would suck. Yeah, yeah. And on that happy note, Woo! this is WBLK twelve thirty AM. This is, uh, I am Dr. Adrian. Did you forget your name? I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dr. Dr. Maria. We are NOLA Ed Education for La Ration. We are uh, wishing everybody a healthy week if you're back to work. Teachers, if you're back in the classroom juggling all of it. Children, if you're back in classrooms. Families, you know, if you're managing all this, we wish you all um, the best. And we, you know, viva la revolucion. See you next week. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you, Jazz. I'm winning the day. Let's go, 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 go